0: I got swine flu. By
1: the time you've lived
0: through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever want to know anything about this show, go to TravelTalesPodcast.com. Well, first of all, listen, but then you can go to TravelTalesPodcast.com. That is the site for this show. And there you will find uh, articles that I've written, some articles that the guests have written. Also, uh, photos of the guests, links to their social media, and, of course, links to all our social media. And by that, I mean Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Please follow us on there. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. Please follow us on there. There are links to Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe to this show, and, of course, iTunes, where you can subscribe to the show. And if you're on iTunes, I ask, as always... Please give us a good rating because that boosts our presence, which helps people find the show. And that's always a cool thing. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. This is not your typical recording of the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm recording this on May 25th, 2016 in my home, where today I was supposed to interview a guest. We had rescheduled uh, a few times, canceled pretty much at the last minute. We were supposed to record today and uh, kind of left me hanging, I'll be quite honest. And after uh, you know maybe five years of doing this, uh, I'm, I'm not going to stress out over it and I'm not going to uh, chase people down. And I'm not going to scramble, especially because I have plenty of other things to do two days before I leave for a month on a personal and professional level. So I had to make a decision. I could not release an episode and just skip it, which would seem kind of uh, jarring to the people who are regular listeners. And they'd be getting, I'd be getting emails going, what the hell happened, man? Where are you? Are you dead? No. Well, I might be. This is pre-recorded. Who knows what's going to happen in Europe? No, I won't say that. Um. Or I can do something that I've never really done on this show, which is replay a classic episode. And believe me, I use classic in quotation marks. Hey, summer is the time of reruns, is it not? But honestly, I wanted to give you guys something. And when you try to get guests, different guests, for every single episode, uh, it can get tough. People cancel. People do what they have to do. People get sick. Uh, work comes up, whatever it is, but then I had to decide what episode would I use. So I looked back over the hundred plus episodes we 've done over the years, and I noticed that one seemed to get the most listeners of any of them, and that 's the one i 'm going to play today. It was released back in January of two thousand and fourteen, and it 's with a woman named Julie Anderson who left a successful career here in America as a PR executive and devoted her life to saving sharks who are endangered, who are getting slaughtered by the millions. The, the shark populations in the ocean have been decimated. And as a diver, and uh, not only a scuba diver, but a free diver, and someone who uh, loves animals, she dropped everything and helped form an organization called Shark Angels. And she spends half her year in South Africa, and the rest of it back here and other places around the world trying to save the majestic sharks, who are part of the ecosystem and are amazing creatures. And as a diver, this really hit home for me, too. So it's always inspiring to hear somebody who's willing to sacrifice security, safety, and everything we're supposed to covet in America and a lot of the Western world and devote her life to something bigger. Plus, it didn't hurt the fact that she's very eloquent and and knows her stuff. So it's no shock to me why this episode seemed to resonate with people. And with me as well. And sometimes we need a little reminder of what we're all capable of if we really put our mind to something and we really start to look inside and decide what's important to us and how do we want to live our lives. I ask myself that every day. And in Hollywood, it's a very easy thing to do where everything is about the self and me, 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 me. And I, along with many of you, were inspired by Julie's story, and so I thought it was worth another go-round. And to be clear, I will be back in a couple weeks with a brand new episode, along with plenty of stories to tell from my month in Europe. So until then, enjoy my conversation from January 2014 with Julie Anderson. I'm here with Julie Anderson. Shark Angel, Julie Anderson. That's a great title. That should be like, you know, a spy or something. That's a movie. It is. Julie Anderson, Shark (laughs) Angel. What is a Shark Angel and how did you get involved in this organization? Let's start it right off the bat.
1: Okay. So a Shark Angel is pretty much what it sounds and that is guardian angels to sharks because believe it or not, sharks actually need help and need angels. So about five years ago, I started the organization and the whole idea was to try and start Campaigning in a positive way for sharks.
0: Okay. So we met a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. at a Christmas party, Mm -hmm. and I overheard you saying that you scuba dive, and I scuba dive, and that's how this whole thing got started. That's how the whole thing got started. So thank you so much for coming here. And then I found out we're both from Chicago, (laughs) or the Chicago area, Uh which is, of course, a hotbed of scuba diving. And shark loving. (laughs) And shark loving. Uh Uh-huh. Where did you learn? Because I learned... I did my open water. I took a class in downtown Chicago yep. in the pool and everything. Then I had to do my open water up in Wisconsin, Pearl, Pearl Lake. Lake. Oh my God! Pearl Did lake. you do it too?
1: Heck yeah! Oh, uh huh.
0: Could not see my hand in front of my face.
1: Horrible! And all those freezing, neat and it was
0: like April when I went.
1: I know, miserable. Awful. It was. I think it was 42 degrees at the bottom of the lake yeah. when I went. It was Memorial Day weekend. It was the worst experience in <laughs> my life. I hated it. I didn't think I'd ever scuba dive again. I went after that to Lake Michigan, and I hit the wreck before I saw it at 80 feet. <laughs> and somebody swam by me in a dry suit, and I thought, okay, forget this. Oh my- I hate scuba diving. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I stuck with it, and it's pretty much taken to me where I I am now.
0: Okay. Now, so this was like right out of college did you do this, or when you were a teenager? Teenager. Okay, so you Mm -hmm. did it. Yeah, I did it right out of school. Mm -hmm. But then I did it as a preparation because I was taking a cruise. It was like a big (laughs) – so I dove in the Caymans and uh, Cozumel.
1: Very nice places to dive.
0: They were nice. But you know what? I went to Mexico like a couple years ago Uh and dove around Cozumel like where i was 20 years earlier unbelievably damaged like when i saw it it was it was like and i asked the guide i said is it just me or i was blown away by the colors here 20 years ago am am i crazy he goes no it's he's like the sea temperature goes up one degree it kills up you know it's a living thing this reef and and it's just damn people damage and then hurricanes and everything everything are you seeing this all over the world i mean i i have
1: Unfortunately, yeah. And I think that's probably why I started doing what I'm doing now is is I realized that the oceans are really under a lot of threat um, from all sorts of different angles. And I kind of figured out what was going on with sharks very quickly um, just because I became obsessed with them. And I realized that they're pretty much getting chased into extinction. So I took on that cause. But I think as divers, we're really witness to what's going on around the world and particularly underwater where nobody really – thinks about and doesn't realize, I mean, even in our lifetimes, even in 10 years, yeah, so I, I've much I've noticed happening. it,
0: absolutely. And everywhere in the, especially the Gulf, yeah. seems to be really damaged.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, like Bahamas. I don't know if you started diving oh, yeah. in the Bahamas, but if you go back there now, it's bleak. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I went in Florida. Yeah.
0: A long time. The Keys, I mean, that's dead. It's I, dead.
1: It's insane. I went to the Keys last month, and they do like this feed where they basically feed eels and sharks, and they have all this activity. And now all of the animals are gone, too.
0: Oh, that's I know. so sad. I know. So, okay, let's start out how you got involved in this because you, I saw your little story. No, mm-hmm. your little story. I saw your little video. <laughs> I don't want to demean it, You're Like cute, it's little. little it was a short video, uh-huh. I mean, by little I meant a short video, yes. on your life, that uh, you were a normal, regular, working person in the big city.
1: I was, I uh, owned an advertising agency, I was a little owned bit it. of a wonder kid. Wow. Uh-huh, yep, and I was doing that for about seven years, mostly working in um, luxury, so worked for Porsche and Mercedes and Smith Barney, and uh, okay. was out of Chicago.
0: Leo Burnett? Uh, nope. Okay. This I a, wish. I studied a lot of yeah, because you know, I studied. I tried a little to bit work for out of Leo size. Burnett. Out we of all school. did out of school, I know, right? And they, uh-huh. were, they didn't yeah. hire me.
1: That and Johnsonville brats. So I didn't get hired <laughs> by either of them. They didn't hire the you for the brats? I know, right? Come on. I was a little desperate. Um <laughs> Anyway, um, so I was doing that for about seven years and I was diving too and loving it and traveling around the world and seeing amazing things and still a little bit apprehensive about meeting sharks. Um, And then I met my first shark and it was the most amazing experience and I became obsessed with diving with sharks after that.
0: Now, when you say met, Mm -hmm. how far away? um, What (laughs) kind of shark? How big?
1: It was a magical moment. I was in Hawaii um, okay. doing my safety stop, and because I love being underwater, everyone else goes up, and I don't, you know, really use a lot of air. So I was down there, just kind of hanging out at 15 feet, just checking stuff out, and suddenly I felt a presence next to me, and I looked, and within arm's length was a scalloped hammerhead shark, larger oh. than me, just looking at me right in the eye, and. Um, literally my heart stopped and I thought, Oh my God, this is it. I'm dead. I'm toast. You know, this shark is going to eat me and (laughs) hammerhead. Yeah, exactly. Right. I know (laughs) a hammerhead. (laughs) What did I know? (laughs) I grew up, you know, playing jaws in the pool. I was terrified of sharks too. I never wanted to meet a shark underwater. So this hammerhead and I looked at each other in the eyes and I saw life in that shark's eyes, not death. And I realized that this shark was more afraid of me than I was of it. And we had just kind of a moment we hung out and then poof, she was gone. And I decided, wow, I want to meet more sharks. This is amazing. And it also made me start questioning you know, what I was taught about sharks and also other things as well. You couldn't just take anything for granted. And I started traveling around the world. Places where sharks were supposed to be, and I found the remnants of shark finning—not necessarily live sharks. So, I went to Cocos Island, went to Burma Banks, went to Fiji and Tahiti, and a lot of times I was finding, you know, the fishermen, um, whether they were e- either longlining or even dynamite fishing. I've been underwater when when they've thrown dynamite nearby. Oh, they <laughs> nearby were doing
0: dynamite fishing in
1: Burma. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, so. As I started realizing what was going on with sharks, it really tore at me and I really wanted to do something about it. And because I had an advertising background, I thought, you know, what better way to help sharks than become, you know, the PR agent for the hardest client in the world, right? Because love (laughs) them or hate them, we need them on the planet, but everybody hates them. So it's basically like I've taken on this really hard cause.
0: So you have this company, Mm -hmm. so you're in New York and you have your own company. Mm -hmm. So when you decide to leave it, Mm-hmm. What happened? Do you, did you have a partner you could sell out to? Or I had a you? partner that I could okay. sell out to well, that, okay. and took a
1: huge hit because yeah. um, this is what I wanted to do. And I packed up, sold my house, sold my car, put everything into storage. And I went to South Africa because I just felt like if I pushed myself out the door and went and did something a little bit bold, that I'd be committed to this lifestyle. And South Africa, if you know anything about sharks, has some of the richest shark waters in the world.
0: Well, this is what I wanted to ask you because mm-hmm. I was—I've been to South Africa, mm-hmm. and I was in Hans Bay. Yes, uh, yes. My pronunciation good?
1: Very good. Not Hans Bay. Mm-hmm. It's hard to. Yeah, the Dutch. Yeah. South Africans. Hans
0: Hans Bay. Uh huh. And I did the shark cage. Yes. Diving. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard split things about whether this is a good or bad thing. Mm-hmm. And for people listening, what happens is you go down. You don't. You're not fully submerged. You get there. You're about. You're hanging. You're in this cage, and you're halfway in the water, and halfway you're on the side of the boat. Mm -hmm. And they chum the water, Mm -hmm. and they have a seal decoy, their wooden decoy that looks like a seal floating. And uh, they come around, and they go in front of the cage, and they yell down, and we all (laughs) go down and look at it in the water. Yep. So, what I've heard about this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. that uh, it's training them to. Not fear humans or or to feed abnormally or something.
1: Right. right? Well, that is the myth for sure. Okay. So, I mean, there's a couple of myths around diving with sharks. So, obviously, chumming and... Chumming is different than feeding. I mean, those sharks aren't actually fed. If you watched what was happening, they're putting blood in the yeah, water. Blood. Yeah, yeah, to stimulate their olfactory senses. But the sharks aren't actually eating. Um, and they go to great lengths. Actually, the South African government prohibits feeding these sharks um, because they're a protected species. But essentially, what happens when um, sharks are brought in is people assume that sharks are going to then attack human beings. But I've been in the water hundreds of hours with all sorts of sharks, including white sharks outside of cages. And if they wanted to eat us and associated us with food, they would have eaten me by now for sure. Um, you know, I think it's just a—it's really a myth and misconception. We know so little about sharks, and they're just these scary monsters to us. So, um, one of my friends, who's also a shark angel, um, has done a study on the very sharks in Hans Bay and also in False Bay. And those white sharks are very smart, and because they're not getting rewarded, it's actually the opposite. They get very bored with the situation, and you're constantly seeing new sharks because they. Don't come in time and time and time again because they're so not they're rewarded. They're not getting fooled. Yeah, they're, they're like forget fooled. this. We're onto you. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. The blood doesn't yeah. necessarily I mean, mean there's something worth eating there.
1: Yeah, someone's throwing in a tuna head and then they're yanking it back every single time, and I'm not eating. They'll stick around for maybe ten, fifteen minutes. They're right. not there every day waiting for the boat <laughs> to show up. You know, I mean, those are different sharks all the time. So it's a very controversial thing, and I think every time there's an incident, and you know, in South African waters, there are definitely incidents um, now and then. Um, You know, the shark's the shark cage diving is blamed, but at the end of the day, first of all, you know the sharks don't associate people with food, and you know it's been proven scientifically. And second of all, there's so much value in people seeing these sharks and meeting these sharks for the first time. I'm sure you gained a completely different appreciation for sharks once you got to see great whites underwater. Oh,
0: it's fascinating, right? Yeah, so you're on the plus side. Of, you're on the positive side. I'm of I'm totally this. on the positive okay. side
1: of it. I'm, I'm a big proponent of shark diving, and I really feel like the more people in the water with sharks, the better for sharks. Not only because you meet a shark and then you have this life-altering experience, hopefully, but also because it makes these sharks more valuable alive than dead.
0: Okay. So I've dived also mm-hmm. in places where there's a, a shark dive where you go down to the bottom, yep. you stand behind the rock, or mm-hmm. you sit behind the kneel or whatever mm-hmm. behind the rock, and the guy feeds them yep. and they come around. Right. And that's usually like smaller, like nurse sharks or reef sharks.
1: Reef sharks. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what's your take on that? Is that a bad thing?
1: You know, I think personally I, I've done it. Um, And I think it's a great thing for people to actually get like up close and personal with these sharks and realize that you don't need to have bars between you and a shark. But I think it needs to be done responsibly. And, you know, I think you have to be careful about who you go with and really research your options. One of the things we did this year from a Shark Angels perspective was we put together um, a responsible diving campaign. So if you want to go shark diving, there's a lot of things you can learn. There's different ways of choosing operators. There's things you can do after shark diving to try and kind of perpetuate, you know, the positive message around sharks. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's definitely something worth doing. Just be smart about who you're doing it with. I, you know, some people do get those sharks worked up in a frenzy. And quite frankly, you know, if you're going to get bit by a shark, you're probably going to get bit by a reef shark.
0: Oh, really? <laughs>
1: yeah. They're the ones that have the most incidents with divers. They're just these little snippy, like terrier-type sharks. And you'll probably need a stitch or two, and it's so rare that it happens. But, you know, I mean – You definitely have a sense of responsibility when you get into the water with these animals. They're not going to bite you intentionally, but it's you know it's something that you know you need caution and you need to be
0: careful. Okay, so we're face to face with a shark. Mm -hmm. We're down there. Yep. What is the thing we should not do?
1: There's a lot of don'ts. (laughs) And there's a lot of don'ts on the shark angel side.
0: Yeah, don't
1: grab him. (laughs) Don't like agitate him. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of photos out there of me actually touching sharks, and I've been in a lot of situations where sharks come to me and initiate touch. But I think, you know, poking them, grabbing them, things of that nature. A lot of times people are bit and a lot of times fishermen are bit because, you know, they're either removing the hook or they're, you know, doing something stupid with the shark. So that is quite often how people get bit by sharks.
0: Okay. What else? What else should I not do?
1: Well, you should pay attention.
0: Okay. (laughs) Not go down there with like chum in my pockets. Well,
1: for sure. Don't (laughs) touch the bait. But also, you know, they're kind of They're, they're, um, you know, opportunistic, and they obviously are looking for like regular predators, any other predator, land predator. They're looking to see if you're looking at them. So constantly knowing where your eyes are. A lot of shark divers actually draw um, eyeballs on the back of their um, uh, on the back of their hoods because you know the. And what does that do? Well, it makes sharks think that you're looking at them, and when you are looking at them, they're not going to come in too closely and try and check you out. So. Just it's a, good to look at them? Yeah, So it's the opposite them. of
0: it because some, Meet some them in the animals, eye. like monkeys, you're never yeah. supposed to no, look at them. like a
1: gorilla, don't look directly yeah, at them. Yeah, they either. take
0: that as a sign of like yeah. you're staring. It's on. You know?
1: if, the only time I've ever been approached by a shark when they get really, really close is typically when I'm not paying attention or I'm looking at one shark and another shark comes up from behind my back. And I've never been in a situation where I felt threatened. But it is obvious that these animals are looking to see if you're paying attention. And they're very opportunistic.
0: Right. So this organization, Shark Angels, yes. how many, how big is it? How many, how many angels are we talking? Uh,
1: tens of thousands around the world. And what? Really? Yep. We're a nonprofit in the U.S. We're also a nonprofit in France and we're getting our status in South Africa as well. Okay. So we're quite big. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's all about, you know, a positive movement to save sharks and kind of trying to get sharks out into mainstream media. So doing it in a little bit more creative ways, obviously, because I have an advertising background.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, even
1: just the name Shark Angels. Right. I mean, mm. come on.
0: Okay, well, let's get out of the water mm-hmm. for a second, mm-hmm. and let's get on land. Mm-hmm. Moving to South Africa. I've only been to Cape Town in that area, and Hans uh-huh. Um Tell me the... Uh the toughest thing about going there, what, what's been the toughest <laughs> transition? Um, Good wine. I remember that.
1: Amazing wine.
0: Amazing wine. Mm-hmm. I remember that.
1: And I live um, right in kind of the the peninsula of South Africa. So right near the the, the point. Yes. Did you go to Cape Point? I did. Yeah. So I'm kind of like three kilometers on either side in the mountains so I can see both of the oceans, oh, wow. which is a really cool place to be. Are you I'm, near the penguins? I'm right near Boulders and the penguins. Okay. I I'm, call them my neighbors. I have <laughs> baboons that come through my backyard now and then. Wow. Um, Uh Uh-huh. For sure, the wildlife was something I needed to get used to. Not necessarily like the the mammals, but um, there's quite a few um, – well, there's quite a few snakes.
0: Snakes, I was going to say. Yes,
1: and also um, spiders. Ooh. And bugs in general. Um, right. Very, very large bugs. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, people expect me to be very tough with everything because I love sharks and, you know, I'll get in the water with a white shark outside of a cage, but I really am not that keen on spiders and.
0: Snakes. Oh, okay. The tough yeah. shark angel now uh-huh. and has a little problem with spiders. A
1: little, a little problem with spiders. I don't know if you've seen the spiders there, but they're the size of, like, your hand. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, wolf spiders are crazy big. And, you know, we've got golden orb spiders and uh, are they all poisonous uh well if you get bit by a wolf spider you're gonna have a really bad headache um i have been bit by a spider that basically i don't know my flesh was being eaten away i mean that was crazy i know i know and i was in botswana and there i was like 20 hours away from any medical attention so the chief of the village actually like took a special acacia thorn and was like shoving it in the wound and pulling it out, all of the, the, the necrotic flesh. And it was just the most bizarre experience ever, but it healed. So
0: Wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Now <laughs> now we're onto something here. So Bo- Botswana. So you, how many, mm-hmm. what other parts of uh, Africa have you been
1: to? Oh, man. Um, all over Southern Africa. So Mozambique, Botswana, okay. um, and Namibia um, Tanzania. Oh, um, that's,
0: that's this year for me. I want really. to do Kilimanjaro.
1: Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Amazing. It's, I did not do Kilimanjaro, but I did a lot of safari. Oh, really? Yeah. And it did was, you
0: go to the Indoro, Goro, Cor- Goro was I so great.
1: That. Um, yeah. Zanzibar.
0: Did you go there? I did
1: not have time to go to Zanzibar. Oh, I know I still am meaning to get there. They have amazing diving actually, and really great whale oh, really? sharks as well. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I'm to call you. You can yeah. hook that up before I before I really
1: show up. amazing. So, but I mean, living in living in Africa for sure has given me you know the ability to experience things that I never imagined I would. Right, and being able to you know go across the deserts in Namibia and <laughs> I mean, it's just it's been incredible. But there is it's definitely an adjustment. But I think it's more like the day to day that's annoying than actually living in right. this foreign country. You know, things like. The grocery store closes at 6 p.m. You know, I mean, just little things like that or anything you want to get done is a complete mission. You it's know, hassle. we have yeah. such access to things here that we don't even realize, you know, you just don't have access to there. But, right. you know, I think everyone should live abroad because it kind of takes you out of your comfort level. And, you know, it just it kind of forces you into a whole different scenario. And it's, it was, it's been really great.
0: When you come back, mm-hmm. what's the first thing you want to eat? Mexican food. Is it Mexican food?
1: You know that they put feta cheese in their Mexican food over there. I mean, they don't even understand Mexican food. Believe me, Mm -hmm.
0: I've I've made that mistake some uh, different places around the world, and I know better now. No, I I mean, literally,
1: when I go home, right, all my friends, I bring home um, corn tortillas, uh, Mexican (laughs) spices. I mean, my entire bag is like full of like crazy Mexican, you know, products because the only thing they have there is um, El Paso, Uh and it is so freaking expensive. Um, Gosh, what do I really? feel like i don't know i it's it's the opposite for me and when i go there i'm always so excited because there's such amazing food there oh yeah i mean did you have biltong
0: no i had i had springbok i know i ate that yeah biltong is oh it's like jerky it's like jerky but it's like so much better
1: it's (laughs) so much better and it's dried meat yeah but it's like you know growing up in the midwest i'm sure you ate jerky but it's african
0: meat it's like what kind of meat is it
1: it can be anything it can be springbok it can be beef it can be you know you name it it can be kudu um, kudu
0: I, I had kudu as well
1: of course you did yeah 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 so like eating wild game always interesting they're a huge um meat culture and you know there's You probably went to a braai, which is a barbecue. Like a whole day is spent, you know, on this whole process of preparing the fire. If you have a gas grill in South Africa, it is humiliating. (laughs) I mean, real men do not use it. Start a
0: fire like a man.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, the biggest transition for me coming over on this side of the world from there is probably the driving. I have a really hard time figuring out what side of of the the road to be on at any point in time in my life now because it just I'm constantly going back and forth.
0: Shifting with your left hand? Mm -hmm. that's always Mm -hmm. a little something to get used to exactly
1: and i go from a teeny tiny two-seater sport car here in la to a defender because of course as an american in south africa the first thing i want to do is buy a land rover right sure why not Mm -hmm. yeah so cliche (laughs) so it's um it's it's great to be able to live on these both of these
0: continents so now this will be your first trip back since mandela's passed away yes um it's interesting to know, uh, see the, what's, what's happening. Even I was there like two years ago mm-hmm. and the changes that are, that are happening. Uh, no, I was, it was longer because I was there like two months before the World Cup. Yeah. So, which I didn't think they were going to get off? it done yeah. <laughs> because it was a mess. No. Like, I went to, I toured the new stadium in Cape Town yeah. and, and like the roads were trashed. Yeah. The airport was still not finished. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think they're going to make it. Uh-huh. And they somehow managed to, to do it. It was pretty amazing.
1: The work ethic in South Africa is not quite what it is in yeah. other places in yeah. the world.
0: And a huge, huge disparity of rich and poor. Huge. Um, mm-hmm. Cape Town is still nice, although there's you – know, what was the huge slum there that we was, went to? Uh, oh, um, you went
1: to um, – It's Elizabeth like a million Wiley. people. It's insane. You know, we call it like a shantytown.
0: No, K- um, uh,
1: I know now and I can't remember right. either.
0: But um, massive. But I didn't see much of Johannesburg.
1: No, I Um, kinda stay away from Johannesburg.
0: Which I heard is more dangerous.
1: Yeah. Pretty much anyone you meet from Johannesburg has either been held up at gunpoint in their car or their house or their family members have. You know, I mean it's just a very common story there. Whereas in Cape Town I've never really felt threatened and, you know, I don't have crazy fences around my house or anything like that. So I mean I think I think it's a beautiful country and I think it's, you know, uh, an amazing place to visit for sure. And I encourage everyone I've gone over there as a single woman by myself before I lived there. So it's, it's a really cool place to go.
0: Where year did you move there?
1: Um, I, gosh, I moved there four years ago,
0: four years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Bought a house
0: right off the bat. Uh, almost. You bought. okay.
1: I know, I know. Much to my parents' chagrin. They're like, <laughs> my dad's like, did you really just buy a house in one of the most unstable nations in the world? Yeah, um, yeah I know. And when things like, um, when things like Nelson Mandela passing away and, and things of that nature, there are different threshold um, types of things that I think all South Africans feel when that occurs, South Africa will become like Zimbabwe. But none of it has happened actually. Right. So, I mean, you know. But last I mean, election. it's almost like the last,
0: it, the last guy who everybody could agree on is gone. Is gone. And that's that's the tough thing. Is completely That's why I gone. worry about the king in Thailand. When he goes, it's just like ooh mm-hmm. boy, everybody's going to mourn for a while, and then what? Because mm-hmm. exactly. that was that was the one guy who would come out and go, hey, everybody wants you cool out
1: <laughs> exactly know? exactly and i mean living there you are exposed to a lot more of what's really going on i think american media often particularly during the world cup um doesn't really it doesn't really portray a true picture of what is going on there from a political perspective and you know i mean two weeks before the world cup um the guy who was running basically the political party which is close to the ku klux klan here in, in the u.s um was found chopped up in like you know dozens of pieces in his house and the um, youth leader uh, started a song in South Africa about killing the white man. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember
0: this. Yeah. I remember this. Story. So few
1: people know about that. And I'm yes. thinking, oh my god, is coming over here to yeah, when you were there. Yeah. You wouldn't have known about it oh, like no, over I would here. Never have known. Yeah, and you're thinking like, oh my god, you know, I mean, basically all of these people are coming from all around the world and you know the the youth leader, the ANC youth leader was singing a song about killing the white man. Yeah. So I mean, obviously They've managed to keep things, you know, kind of status quo, and everything seems to be relatively, um, you know, stable there right now. But still, it's 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 obvious. It's a little bit of a concern (laughs) now and then.
0: Now, uh, does that do the beaches in South Africa have the highest concentration of great whites anywhere in the world?
1: Well, um, for sure where I live in False Bay, and that's – I mean if you watch Discovery Shark Week where you know the sharks jump out of the water, that's like my backyard, Um, there's a very large population of sharks. And the interesting thing about it is is that they don't actually have shark nets in Cape Town. They have a really cool program called Shark Spotters where they take um, basically folks – underprivileged folks who can't actually get jobs elsewhere and pay them to sit. Up in the mountains and watch for sharks. And when they do find a shark, you know they radio down to the beach. They clear the waters. All of this, the surfers get out, wait for the shark to go away, and get back in the water. And it, there's literally two miles between, well, four four nautical miles between the beaches. And that place where the sharks are jumping out of the water, Seal Island. So um, one of my friends um, studies uh, white sharks there. And she has um, radio transmitter pingers underwater. And so she knows when tagged sharks swim by the beaches. And it is on a... Very frequent basis, and there's very very few issues. So it kind of proves that you know there can be some tolerance, and there are some management plans that don't actually involve killing the animals. Um, but yes, it is definitely the highest concentration of uh, shark and water users because, as you know, there's amazing surfing, there's yeah. amazing kiteboarding, there's a lot of people in that water all the time.
0: Between there and Australia, I guess would yeah. be the most. Exactly, all over the place. But uh, so now you split your time between there mm-hmm. and you live in Venice out here. Yes, surf at all? Have you picked up the surfing bug? <laughs> Nothing. No. No. It's hard. I had to learn out here. Number one, it's,
1: it's hard. It's hard. And number two, it's cold.
0: It's cold out here. It is. Um,
1: yeah, I mean like I like I said when I was in Lake Michigan, I never thought I would ever dive in cold water. I do it now for the sharks, but I'm miserable. No. And I just don't like getting into this water to be honest with you. And it's kinda of dirty too, which I'm not that. Well, happy you're used about to either. like blue water. I know, like I'm so spoiled, you know. Yeah. So like this kind of stuff. And it's become kind of a job for me too. you know, right. getting in the water and so if I don't have to, I don't normally do it. I was I was surfing quite a bit um, in South Africa, and I think I got a little bit too confident and ended up over my head in Durban, yeah, where the waves thing. are very different, and I was terrified. And so at that point, I said, "Yeah, this is not my thing. I like to paddleboard."
0: Oh, yeah, oh no, yeah, that's yeah, great. I, know. I love that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's what happened to me once because I, you know, I was a lifeguard as a kid, yeah. and, and uh, I'm comfortable in the water and the ocean and all that. But there was one split second. Yeah. I think it was in Costa Rica. Where I got like held under yeah. for just a few seconds too long, and then the panic—the
1: panic sets in. Yeah,
0: and panic in the water is a horrible feeling, and like it just shot through me, like oh my god, am I might, yeah, I can't get up, I can't get enough air, you know. And it was like that was enough. I was like, you know, I'm going to stay in the small stuff over here. And it, it was, yeah, it was, it was a bad feeling. And I, I never felt it diving, no, never felt anything like no, that? No,
1: no, because it's on your own terms, right? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm a free diver. So, I mean, when you're on your own terms and you're going underwater and you're holding your breath for three minutes, that's fine, no problem. But when you're pushed underwater by a wave, it's very terrifying. And there, waves really scare me. I've yeah. gotten into situations with waves that you know I'm actually surprised I walked away from. So I have a very big respect for the ocean and particularly waves.
0: Yeah, there was a beach in Hawaii. It was like a locals beach. And we were just going to go literally just... Walk out and just do some body surfing or, or like boogie boarding and stuff. Not even. And I walked out maybe to my knees and I saw the surf and I went no. Mm-mm. I turned around and walked right back out. <laughs> and I can swim. And yeah. it was not like I can't. I was just like this is frightening. Yeah, I mean, you get out. sucked out and mm-hmm. just, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Gone. And the locals say, oh yeah, tourists come down here and they get like we have to pull them out all the time. Yeah. I went. Eh, I'm good. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'll pass.
1: Yeah. Exactly right. I'll pass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you
0: ever dive here in the um, Catalina?
1: Again, cold <laughs> again, yes,
0: I did that once was all I needed,
1: uh-huh, yeah, um, very, very cold, um, but it's gorgeous. The kelp forests here are so amazing, and the colors are stunning, so yeah, it's- but
0: it's still the visibility's not that.
1: Sometimes great. it can be great. Okay. Apparently, um, apparently, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I want to. Not on the day, times but... I've been either. Right. You know, and it, yeah, it's reminiscent of when we got certified in quarry and you're trying to figure out why the heck you're underwater, freezing, not seeing anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely want to do it again. Again, it's one of those situations though where I don't really
0: want to get in the cold water. Yeah, I know. It's. <laughs> All those things, it's so much nicer when the water's warm. It really really, is. Any kind of activity out there. And that's what, when I learned surfing, I went down to Costa Rica and it was just knowing that they were doing a morning session right when you got out of bed. Yeah. Knowing that the water's warm makes it a lot easier. Totally. Totally. It's one of the reasons I don't go here. You know, I don't live right at the beach, but it's not too far. But I, the hours, I don't like. They're like, yeah, I meet us down here at 6.30 in the morning. You know, I'm yeah. good.
1: No, first of all. I'm okay. First no. of all,
0: no. <laughs> um, are there no waves at
1: one in the afternoon? I know, right?
0: And they're like, nah, it's not as good. I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. To <laughs> so go down there and freeze and in the, the wetsuit. and like, yeah.
1: oh, I don't understand that mentality at all. I mean, I can really respect the watermen. You got to sure. want it. And but I know you guys who do want
0: it, it, it all year round. I mean, like they have three different... Thicknesses of wetsuits and and like going in January I'm like mm-hmm. no good the water's like fifty degrees <laughs> good luck with that fellas now Sorry. a lot of
1: the guys that are going here are seeing juvenile white sharks
0: yeah well I've heard they've gotten more and more this this year
1: mm-hmm. yeah well there's more and more sightings I don't really know if you know there's actually more white sharks and actually if you think about it and you look at the numbers their numbers are declining so. Not sure why people are seeing them so much more often, but there's definitely a lot more juvenile white sharks uh, being sighted on these beaches.
0: Would it have anything to do with, like, sea temperatures?
1: It could. It absolutely could. You know, availability of prey, um, sea temperatures. I mean, all of these things affect, you know, these migratory species. And, and white sharks are incredibly migratory. They swim from – they track a shark from South Africa all the way to Australia and back.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you cross the entire ocean.
1: Crosses the entire That's ocean. Amazing. I know, I know. We were putting cameras on the back of white sharks um, with National Geographic uh, Critter Cam, and to like really kind of get you know, into the shark's world and see what they do, it's absolutely amazing. Wow. Most of it's just swimming around and like kind of looking like this. But, you know, I mean, every <laughs> once in a while they do some really incredible things from eating a jellyfish to, you know, I mean, you can see them interact with one another. Um, they have found that sharks actually have social structures. They recognize one another. They have cognitive abilities. These are all things we don't actually associate with these animals.
0: So you say you're doing free diving now because I was I just am. in um- – uh, roatan honduras yes. uh-huh. and on my boat uh-huh. they were there was an instructor teaching people to free dive.
1: yep i prefer it
0: you do okay yes. so for people who don't know it's basically diving without uh-huh. air
1: right exactly it's, <laughs> it's diving on a single breath yeah um so and right now you probably have enough oxygen in you to not breathe for the next three to five minutes right but your body one way to find yeah, out. I know right? hold on <laughs> this is gonna be a really fun uh, interview yes
0: or pass out <laughs>
1: Um, but you know I mean psychologically that's really what you have to try and conquer is your desire to want to breathe and it's a sport I mean somebody was recently um, somebody recently died um, in New York actually Mm -hmm. this
0: guy was like a world champ or something it's
1: very controversial yeah but he had just gotten into free diving um, over the last year and a half so um, you know I mean mistakes were made and and it can definitely be a very scary sport Um, people push themselves to their limits a little bit too quickly these days but um, a lot of my friends have you know they go down to four hundred feet, and they can hold their breath. Feet? I know, isn't that insane? They can hold their breath for like ten minutes. I mean, what? incredible. I know this. It's it's a really really impressive sport. I do it because I want to interact with the animals without tanks, because there's something very um, intimidating about that noisy breathing and you know this right, thing right. underwater. So I get much better interactions, not just with sharks, but with whales and dolphins and manta's and all the animals that I want to interact with in the water. You know, they're not down too deep. Um, But being able to swim and swim fast and also not have, you know, the the bubbles and and the sound is something that they, you know, it just changes everything. And there's something about being able to be in the water and not have all that heavy equipment. No, it
0: sounds great. Ideally, it'd be awesome.
1: Slip in. I need gills
0: is what I need. (laughs) That would help.
1: It's a really great thing to have, you and it's a
0: great trait. You need a water world trait. Costner mutation.
1: Yes, there. yes. It's a good trait to have, though, even <laughs> if you're surfing, right? A lot of big Absolutely. wave surfers love to also understand freediving because they're getting held under the waves so much.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah,
1: and it makes you much more comfortable and much more graceful underwater, too.
0: So. What's the as you've been underwater on um, one breath?
1: I can, I've held my breath for four and a half minutes, which is nothing. And I basically took a class, and the next day held my breath for four and a half minutes but that's static just like laying at the right. top of a pool
0: right and just not moving and not
1: moving um dynamic like actually swimming around and, and doing it repetitively and you know chasing you know not chasing chasing <laughs> yeah.
0: poking <I> prodding <laughs> sharks to
1: say chasing, okay sometimes <laughs> i like to chase the animals um maybe two minutes okay yeah not long long enough to get down and you know have a cool encounter and then come back up. I was free diving with, and in a lot of places you can't do anything but free dive because that's how they control your interaction with the protected animals. So like, for instance, I was just in Tonga last year and they don't allow scuba diving to occur um, with humpback whales you can only free dive with them or snorkel with them Um, same thing with um, the whale sharks in Cozumel I don't know if you know this but there is an aggregation of whale sharks that happens every summer hundreds of whale sharks aggregate off of the coast of Cozumel
0: I just saw my first I just went with my first whale shark uh, in Panama amazing this this year well it was last a year from this month so yeah back then it was awesome how big it was probably about 15 feet, maybe. Yeah. And because we had heard they were around. Yeah. And so I went on a three-tank dive that day. So it was all day. And we saw a lot of stuff. And this is on the ocean side, not the Caribbean mm-hmm. side. So it was, I forget the name of the island, but it's pretty well known. And I uh, hadn't seen one. All day, I was kind of disappointed. And it's about a 45-minute boat ride back to the shore. And uh, on our way back... The kid at the front of the boat just yells something bah! and points yeah. out, and and they whip uh-huh. the boat around. And uh, the the uh, dive master said, "Just everybody, just grab a mask and Go. jump in." So we all went, "All right," and we just jumped in. And uh, yeah, there it was, and it was unbelievable. That's I stunning. mean, they're so graceful and quiet. and right? just, just it was like a bus yeah. going by, and it was. I was probably about six feet from it. Yeah. And of course, I had no camera. I was like, "Son of a bitch!" Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I didn't think. Because we were just panicking. He's like, I get know. in. We all just jump in. Nobody... People are scrambling trying to get, like, shots of it, and oh, it was it was amazing. It was you know, really Jacques cool.
1: Cousteau only saw two whale sharks in his entire life. You're kidding. Yeah. They're pretty they're, they're pretty elusive. You know, I mean, they do aggregate in certain places around the world. It took me 11 years to see my first whale shark. I was always the person that got there, and they're like, yeah, oh, you just missed it. Yeah, I know. Never, never and, and then I show up to Cozumel. I'm like, all right, let's check this out. And literally, you get in the water, and all you see around you is dozens of whale sharks all coming from oh different God. angles and, you know, like l- locomotives, you know, you know, they're like trains yeah. and they're basically, they're feeding on, uh, you know, the krill and the plankton. And, um, I think also, um, uh, bonito or tuna eggs. And it's just, it's just this hectic thing. And this year, for some reason, mantas showed up as well. So there were hundreds of whale sharks and mantas all aggregating off of the coast of Cozumel and they do it every summer.
0: Oh, it's just in the summer though.
1: Just in the summer.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta and it that. is,
1: it is. By far, one of the most humbling and amazing things i've ever witnessed in the sea and That's i you know great. i've I've seen uh, you know a humpback whale uh, almost give birth i mean I've done some pretty amazing things, but to be in the water with all of these animals and just realize that they're so cognizant of where you are and who you are, right? I mean, they're coming at you so fast, and yet very slightly they'll move so they don't <laughs> hit you. Or, I mean, they're just incredible. And being in the water with an animal that's so big. I mean, some of these animals oh. were 30, 40 feet big. Yeah, You know, it's just, it's stunning.
0: Absolutely. Did, now a guy on my boat in uh, Honduras said, if you want to see big stuff, mm-hmm. like big uh, mammals and stuff in the water, yeah. he said, Palau. Palau. It was great. And I haven't done Palau.
1: Palau's amazing. Um, not necessarily for big animals. It's beautiful. It's it's probably like the most colorful, beautiful diving I've ever done. It's okay. got incredible well, that's soft corals. Me. Yeah, go. I'll go. They have mantas <laughs> um, and, you know, smaller sharks. You know, I'm kind of like a shark, you know, like right. Well, I dove in,
0: in Asia. I've d- I dove in Bali. Yeah, me too. And the Gili mm-hmm. Islands. Mm-hmm. Gili tra- Trawangan and, and mm-hmm. those. And then I dove uh, a wreck right off the coast of Bali, the actual island. I can't remember the name of it. It was an old USS uh-huh. something. Um and then I dove in the Philippines.
1: Never done the Philippines.
0: And Vietnam.
1: Yeah. I've done Vietnam in and Vietnam, Burma. Around and Danai, Thailand, in uh-huh. Thailand uh-huh. around
0: Co I think. Uh huh. Um, so that's, you know, I
1: think Palau is definitely, I mean, it's one of the places, I mean, obviously I go all over the world and I have great experiences wherever I go, but Palau is one of the places I'd go back to.
0: Oh, you would. Okay, mm-hmm. good.
1: hundred percent. Like I would go there in a heartbeat. Um, it's just beautiful. And it's one of those places where you sh- number one, you should definitely be free diving because it's really shallow and it's one of those places where you don't have to put a wetsuit on. It's oh, so warm. Yeah. I know.
0: The only time I ever Stunning. felt that like I got in wear anything, not even a shorty was yeah. in uh, Australia. In the coral sea. It was like in the middle of summer.
1: It's the best. And it was
0: like I think the water was like eighty something. It was crazy. It was like, almost too warm. Like you, you Right? You were sweaty when you came out. I know, it was weird. Like,
1: I don't understand that. Especially <laughs> after being in California with this weather. But it
0: was great though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I loved it. Yep. It felt so freeing.
1: It does feel so freeing and that's why you like free diving too. And they although I don't like terrestrial snakes, I really, really like uh, sea snakes and oh, yeah? they have thousands of them.
0: In Palau, yeah. Oh wow,
1: yeah. The That's blue, cool. the blue and white ringed ones, the beautiful,
0: beautiful ones. So the coral still has some color to it.
1: It's stunning. It's absolutely okay. beautiful, and the fish life is incredible. Um, and yeah, it's just it's the place where you know they've got huge, giant clams. I mean, it's stunning. And Palau recently protected um, all of their international waters against um, shark finners too. So you know, I mean, choosing wisely in terms of where you go diving is is smart because then you're supporting countries who are actually protecting their local economies. Right.
0: Have you done the Red Sea?
1: I've never done the Red Sea.
0: I did I dove in Israel. Yeah. in a lot and I, but I guess the better diving is more south like in the Sinai Peninsula, but it was uh I was there a little too far, a little too close after the revolution, so I was going to wait yeah. it out, you know, like it's- Sharm el Sheikh down there.
1: It's not Um, a place I want to go, actually. But the Red
0: Sea, I've heard, like, amazing. It's supposed to be really good.
1: I hear that it's now, because of what's going on around the world, it's starting to degrade very quickly in Uh, terms of fish life and coral and things like that. I'm finally getting to do my dream trip um, in June. Tulsa. Yes. (laughs) Tuscaloosa. Awesome. Um, Galapagos. Oh, I want to do that. Yeah. When are I you going? So excited, June. Um, I've been to Coco. Thank you for
0: asking me. I will go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been to Coco's Island, which is very similar, right? A sea mount in the middle of nowhere, um, three days sail off of Costa Rica, where the hammerheads—you know, hundreds okay. of hammerhead sharks—basically during the day they'll school, and there's amazing other types of sharks there too, and rays, and it's—it's a it's very like. Hardcore dive. It's it's very surgy. There's tons of currents. It's very cold. It's where these two incredible currents in the ocean meet. But the life there is just so rich and amazing.
0: I thought Galapagos was like super protected, like in terms of I know the land is, but I I figured the waters were as well. Is it really? Restricted on where you can go. There, it's
1: very restricted, um, and it's very hard to get to the two places um, that are really, really um, Darwin. And I can't remember the other. Well, Darwin Island is is apparently the best place to dive in Galapagos. Unfortunately, even though it is protected, it's still heavily under threat. Um, You know, because there's so much money in illegal fishing, whether it's shark finning or collecting sea cucumbers, or you know, just illegally fishing or The next thing that you know is really a big thing right now is is they're killing mantas for their gills, um, and manta populations are so heavily threatened; they're actually in a worse situation than sharks. Um, I know it's crazy um, because they think that the gill, when dried, will cool your blood. So they actually just eat manta gill.
0: Is this the Chinese again?
1: Well, it. I don't want to be. I don't want to be too accusatory.
0: Goddamn Chinese! You know when they get usually this is what I found in in terms of endangered things Mm -hmm. around. If it's on land, usually it's the Chinese. And if it's in the sea, usually it's the Japanese. Yeah. Like they will eat anything out of the sea.
1: That is that that is
0: And the Chinese it's not it tends to not be as for eating as much. It's either like a status thing, like ivory or some mm-hmm. other bullshit. Shark fin. Or um well yeah, the shark fin soup and stuff like That's that. That's status too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But also medicinal. Medicinal. It's like this stupid that we need monkey paw and rhino horn for. It's like no, you don't, you jackass. But I got to think. You know that would be the most frustrating if I'm in your position. Yeah. To go up against three thousand years of this thought. I mean, how do you fight that?
1: It's tough, and I mean, you can't really fight it as a as a Westerner, right? I mean, right. obviously, I mean, everyone immediately and, screams,
0: and you're a woman too, yeah, because so uh, they really want to listen to you.
1: You're being racist, <laughs> you know? You don't understand our culture. Exactly. And it was very sustainable when only emperors were eating, you know, whether it was you know drinking tiger bone wine or whether it was you know eating shark fin soup. But now that there's so many people eating or sushi or sushi,
0: it's. Just, I mean, sushi had, didn't exist, you you know, in Chicago. I yeah. never saw it, right? I don't like, Growing up, I didn't have it till I was thirty and moved to New York.
1: I know, like, what is and my agent, my
0: first agent, took me to for sushi. I must have looked like the biggest hick. (laughs) I was. We went, you <laughs> want to have sushi for lunch? I was like, I've never had. She must have like, I I, like I fell off a hay truck. You She's know? like,
1: Yeah, that's not guacamole. Where are you from? Illinois. Uh huh. <laughs> um Yeah. No. I mean, it's just crazy, and that's the problem. Is I, have it been? Have you been to live the live markets in China?
0: No, I haven't been to mainland China. I've only okay. been to Hong Kong and Taiwan. Yeah. And I've been to Japan. Yeah. But I mean, the Japan fish market is um, everything. Insane. It's the biggest one in the world. Did so, you go? Uh, no, but I've seen mm-hmm. – I went to another different market, mm-hmm. but the big one I didn't go to. But yeah. it's literally like there's stuff pulling out of the sea that I've never seen. Right. I have no idea what it is.
1: I know. It's I, crazy. Even me, right? Yes. Or as a diver, right? Like, and these were in the live markets um, in Hong Kong, but also um, more heavily in mainland China and Guangzhou. Like an aquarium full of something that you travel all around the world to see and maybe get to see one of, like a blue ring octopus or, you know, a mantis shrimp, and there would be this aquarium just shoved Full of like half dead blue ring octopus or like these amazing things that as a diver you just think are so elusive and hard to right. find and you see them in such vast quantities being sold like partially alive. Um, it's just it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But before I point fingers, you know, I mean the U.S. is one of the largest shark finning nations in the world. So whilst the demand is not necessarily being created by us, we're certainly you know we're certainly contributing to the issue and, and
0: supply. Well, it mean in terms of we're buying it or. We're- we're doing, We're doing
1: it, it everywhere. Um, I spent four months in... Um, Wait, we
0: don't have any regulations on that? In our own
1: waters, for sure. But um, we definitely uh, have um, regulations in our own waters. But the problem is is that um, we can go anywhere and fish anywhere. I um, I spent four months in the South Pacific um, working with the Kiribati government and basically boarding fishing vessels and inspecting them and things like that. And I found many... Sorry, U.S. um <laughs> found many U.S. ships out there actively fishing in international waters. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the legislation can only protect so much and we need to end the demand. And you're right. It's hard for someone like me to do. Um, And there's so many issues and animals under threat. I mean, in Madagascar, I was shocked to find them killing lemurs and eating them as well.
0: Well, everything, the gorillas, I mean, uh, the rhinos in South Africa. I went to Polanisburg State Park, Yeah, and this is the first time in, I think, you know, since they've been open, I mean, they have so much money on the black market that they were helicoptering in, yeah. killing it, mm-hmm. sawing off the horn, and getting back into the helicopter and leaving before they could get there, mm-hmm. before the Rangers could even get there. I mean, that takes a lot of technology and money and backing.
1: There is and- a considerable amount of money
0: in the illegal wildlife trade. It's well, doesn't same- it really come down to poverty? Poverty it is does. the problem.
1: It absolutely does, and I mean, there's more money in it than weapons. Um, there's as much money of it in it as you know illegal human. Yeah, trafficking and it's the same infrastructure and it's the same people so it's it's really tough to fight whether it's you know rhino horn or whether it's shark fin or now you know lemurs and that's really the tough thing and that's the tough thing that all of us face is is trying to get that message out there and end the demand and also try and help these nations I mean I was very upset, and I've spent a lot of time in the field, and I was very upset at the people that were actually shark finning or killing rhinos or whatever it is. But then you realize that these folks are just trying to feed their families, and they're doing what they can to survive. They're poor, and nobody is helping them. No other countries, and they're certainly not getting the infrastructure or the help they need locally. And, you know, big countries like the the United States, we're not helping either. I mean, so what are they going to do? Of course, they're going to, you know, take their last lemur and take their last shark and cut down their last, you know, ebony tree because they they have no other options. So it's definitely a big issue globally. And I think it's something that needs to be addressed at that level as well.
0: Right. And birth control. And, Maybe we could but There's start way there. too many
1: people on the planet. Yeah, there is. It's like I'm the worst person at a party because, you know, I'm depressing. And then I'm saying controversial <laughs> things like, yeah, there's too many people. And we need to get rid of some it of
0: is. them. It is. I mean, there's uh, you and I, we've been around a lot. Yeah. And you see it. Go to, a, go to a country where there's a billion people. I've been to India. Yeah. You take a look around. It's horrible. It is horrible. Horrible. The way you have to live. There's no benefit to having a billion people in one place. Uh-huh. Or more.
1: You were just talking about, and I just remembered it now, Kaya which is Kaleche, a really, really slum. large slum. You know, they call it a um impermanent oh, yeah, okay. impermanent settlement. Mm-hmm. Um shantytown. You know, shantytown. here's shantytown. the American building in. I'm whatever. like, what's up? It's a shantytown. shantytown. But if well, you look at Jamaica. it, yeah. It's it's insane. Like you literally.
0: And it goes on for miles.
1: Miles and miles and miles. And there's no infrastructure. It's like where I live in the mountains, I can look down on the shantytown and you can just see, like, you know, the black cloud of smoke from, you know, them burning whatever they can to stay warm. And, you know, make no mistake, South Africa is not entirely a warm country. Everyone thinks that it's always warm there. I'm like, I've been the coldest I've ever been in South Africa. (laughs) There's no heat, you know, no, like, you know, no you know, central gas. It's crazy. There's it's yeah. The houses aren't built for warmth, but when you see that kind of, you know, population and that's the thing in South Africa is so many of the other countries, um, uh, citizens are moving into South Africa too and seeking yeah. asylum. So it's, I it's, know they were
0: all complaining about yeah, the Nigerians coming right? in and all the,
1: and xenophobia. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of violence, um, from that perspective, but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a big melting pot there for sure.
0: What was the nickname, the word for the Zimbabweans who had, the white ones who had lost they had their land literally taken away and they ended up in South Africa. We met a few of them at, who uh, ran some wineries down there.
1: Not Zim's.
0: Ah, no, there was a nickname for them. I don't know. I can't remember.
1: I don't know. It's been eight months now since I've been home, so oh. like, I'm actually really excited. You hear me every once in a while say like keen or something really <laughs> random where you're like, where did she get that from? That's, it's like, oh, she's so affected. Um, but yeah. I,
0: rem- I always pick out the, it's yeah. Yah. Uh-huh. That, that's how you always know the South Africans.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Can you have you taken up uh rugby yet? I can actually you get into it? I, Rugby I could get into cricket, I cricket can dig go Big rugby. Kicking can In cricket fact, sucks. Cricket you know, I've tried. I've given it a lot Horrible.
1: Of like what game lasts for 2 days? 4
0: 4 I days, mean, 5 days. It's
1: insane. Or We're like, going to break for tea. Tea. Like old fat people can play it. You're yeah. like, what? This is not a sport, but rugby. I rugby's
0: kind of cool. I would that that I would watch.
1: Growing up in and Chicago, obviously, you know the Bears, and I'm yeah. sure you were there around the time when like we were actually good. Oh you know? yeah,
0: no, I wasn't bored yet. I'm,
1: Football, I'm was bro, like bro. really important, right? And like, oh, yeah, same thing. It seemed really tough and you know hardcore. And then you go and you watch rugby, and you're like, wait, what? They have yeah. no pads. I mean they are This
0: is Kill the Guy. Beasts. This is what we played in the backyard. It
1: is so much fun. <laughs> and every time an American comes over and starts, you know, like watching TV immediately, like my dad was just completely riveted by rugby. Yeah. He's like, I don't understand the rules, but this is the best game ever. Yeah. You know?
0: I and wanted to watch amazing. it live, but it was never the season when I was there. It was always like off season and then I'd be there in the summer and it's like, well, it's cricket time here. It's like, no, I don't want to go see cricket. I finally saw my first cricket match in uh, England this summer. Ugh. And, uh, yeah, it lasted about 20 minutes. Yeah. But it's like somebody else from another country watching baseball. Well, it's yeah, deathly slow. And if right, you don't know the frankly, rules, it's, it's, horrible. it's horrible. It's horrible. And i played boring. it my entire life. I mean, but, yeah, if you don't know the rules, it's terrible to watch. Some fat guy pitching and scratching his nuts for, you know, three hours. It's not that, yeah. I get I get it both.
1: Rugby players are hardcore, too. And they're, like, yeah. real men. But I, a lot of
0: them are more excuse for... Drinking in in the pub afterwards. And yeah,
1: for sure. They do have good songs. For sure, it's I've I've gotten a great opportunity because for some reason rugby players seem to love sharks. So I've taken like the All Blacks diving with sharks. Mm-hmm. I've taken uh, the Springboks diving with sharks. So I've gotten to meet a lot of the rugby players too. And I'm sure amazing. they
0: hate you. I'm yeah, sure, I know, right? I've, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was very difficult. Yeah, I know. Them. Yeah, okay. I
1: know. I remember like the first time. You're
0: not I sh- popular at all. With not the, with at the rugby all. Players. I
1: showed up to um, take the All Blacks diving and. Um, it was uh, one of the worst days ever. And, you know, we, we went out to sea and everyone was throwing up. Like all these big guys were throwing up. Let's it was see, I miserable. It too. I do too. I throw do up every single time I'm on a boat. That oh, is a little known fact time. about this shark angel. I'm always puking. Yeah. <gasps> see? It's horrible. Uh, the I'm very careful times, now. Yeah. I've thrown that's up. My,
0: that's the only thing I hate about diving.
1: Yeah, I know. Is seasickness. Oh. Me too. I know. And it's so much pressure. I can't stand it to not throw up because, yeah, whatever. Anyway, take these guys into the water. First time they've ever seen sharks. And there's probably like 50 black tip sharks in the water. And uh, so we get in the water, right? I'm like this little teeny, you know, girl. And these eight big rugby guys get in, right? And the next thing I know, like a shark swims by us and there's like eight guys on top of me, you know, like pushing me, shoving me, you know, like trying to like climb off my back. They all got on the boat. I had one guy in my hand, like my arm around him and I was holding his hand and I was like swimming him closer to the shark. And I let go of his hand to point at the shark. And the next thing I know, poof, gone. I had no idea where he went. They were... Terrified, so it was pretty funny to watch, but a cool, cool experience too. And they've now taken on the shark conservation campaign too, so it's really cool when people like that use their, you know, celebrity for good.
0: Yeah, well, when you come up with all these, say, governments that don't want to like change their fishing laws or mm-hmm. anything like that, or this immense like poverty and and this culture of like, yeah, this is what we do. We, yeah, my family's been fishing for sharks for three thousand years. What are we gonna? How do you not? get discouraged after a while you just you know you made a joke earlier of like you know you're like the downer at the party
1: yeah i know and
0: how does it not like how do you keep your spirits up and
1: it's really difficult to be honest with you because i've been all over the world and i've seen so much and knowing what's going on and it's not just sharks you know i keep my focus really really you know laser sharp just because it became too overwhelming for me to like know what was going on but i think you know we count our wins in like kind of very small areas and you know to sit in a community in Fiji and have this community talk about how they started protecting their local waters and the sharks came back. And once the sharks came back, the fish came back and now they've created this kind of um, infrastructure around charging divers to then, you know, um, be able to protect their own local waters. So they, basically go out on patrols and they've taken back this little you know, piece of the ocean when you come across stories like that or like I went I'm going on a beach cleanup with some girls um, this weekend um, and they started a shark angels club now I went to talk to this school in Tampa and it was called the Pace School for Girls and these girls are between 15 and 18 they've dropped out of school um, either because they're in gangs you know drugs violence you name it these girls I mean and I showed up and these girls were like badass like I was really afraid I was like these girls are not going to want to hear about sharks they're not going to orange is the new black I might get jacked I don't know I'm like really intimidated I don't know what to do right now and like we had the most amazing amazing discussion and these girls spent four hours with me asking questions and getting inspired and they've pretty much found their voice Through Sharks now and they've taken on this cause in a huge way. So when you see things like that, you know, these girls are now spending their weekends teaching other kids or they're doing a book that for elementary school kids, they're doing beach cleanups and they have nothing, you know, and they have nothing really in their lives. When you have those kinds of situations and you see those kinds of things, I think you can get a little bit of hope um but overall it's it's hard it's really really hard i mean uh, we have a network of people who do the same kinds of things and we have very hard discussions and we're pretty much a support group for one another
0: is there a country that's made a stride like you've seen it at least
1: yeah. I mean, like, we were getting really excited, right? Because, um, we started a campaign called fin free and basically it's legislation to ban the sale and trade, uh, and consumption of shark fin. Um, so not just banning the sh- process of shark finning. Cause a lot of times you can still catch a shark as long as you don't, throw the shark back and just keep the fin so i mean there's obviously tons of loopholes so we started this campaign and legislation started happening in a lot of different states so up to 55 million people were living in places in the united states california included where shark fin is considered an illegal substance um, but now unfortunately um, there's some jurisdictional issues and there might these all these laws might be reversed um, so Yes, there's strides, you know, moving forward, but it is really it's hard one for sure.
0: Where are the shark numbers now as compared to like say 10 20 years ago? Nine. And Yeah. And how is that compared to like whales? Cuz I've heard in some a- yeah. in, in instances, this is whales number, whale numbers are up.
1: Whale numbers are up. You know, I mean, in, in Wales, we're kind of considered, you know, these monsters of the deep at some point in time, too. It's a little bit harder to create, like, the cute, cuddly campaign around sharks than it is around whales. But for sure, the protection of whales um, has been successful, and their numbers are proliferating. You know, Moby they're Dick, nowhere near. No, but
0: Moby Dick was not a, no, as good a movie not, as Jaws. No, That's, not uh, That all. was the problem. It wasn't yeah, as big no. a hit.
1: And those, those guys are so cute. <laughs> darn whales i don't know know. they do once you see some of their teeth you're like what yeah but still i know they're beautiful they're lovely um they can be pretty hardcore but whatever dolphins too you know i I mean um when you ask about numbers um numbers are down 95 to 99 percent around the world so within the last 30 years um off the off the east coast of the u.s most of the big sharks are gone um and it's just i mean when you think about those numbers it's just crazy I mean, and that happened over our lifetime and it's continuing to happen. So, I mean, I've been in communities in Indonesia. You talked about Bali. You know, I've gone undercover in um, islands right nearby. Um, where two years ago, they had an incredibly healthy shark population. You know, the, the shark fin traders came in, gave them hooks, you know, gave them the ability to go out and fish and paid them so much money for each shark that they basically fished not only all of their sharks, but then went into Australian waters. So there's money enough for them to go five days in fuel, out, catch sharks, like then they were landing like four or five, and then come back and sell those fins. And they're not even eating the meat you know i mean they don't have the the ability to actually refrigerate shark meat and as soon as you kill a shark you've basically got to treat it in a special way or else you can't consume the the meat so you see these starving fishing villages and once they've caught all their sharks you know we were seeing dead dolphins in the market dead rays you know fish i mean it's just it's a it's a cycle of destruction so it's um definitely it's definitely bleak. And the problem with sharks is, is that they don't reproduce like tuna. You know, they're not, they're not the numbers. They just can't keep up. You know, a shark may take 40 years to reach sexual maturity and only have one or two pups in a year. So when you think about the numbers, you know, 73 million sharks killed a year and it's probably more, you know, those are the numbers that we can pull together. It's just, it's not, it's not sustainable. And so, you know, we're just seeing numbers plummet and nothing is really changing in a positive way.
0: Well, now you've bummed me out. Of I the know party. I suck.
1: Let me think about something really positive Yeah, let's, to let's say. turn
0: it around. Let's end it on a nice note yeah, here. Yeah, um, I know. Okay, I know.
1: Well, but I mean, the thing is, give me
0: something to hang my hat on here. Give me, give me something to look forward to.
1: Everyone can do something about these issues, okay, right? What I mean, can we, we do? All feel like we're so powerless, and like every single time we buy something, we make a, a, a decision with our dollars, right? And so we need to. And I think California is such a great culture for that too. But we need to get smarter about what we're doing and what we're buying, and particularly from a from a seafood perspective. of the sharks that are killed are killed as bycatch. So knowing where your food is coming from and how it's caught and, you know, is it sustainable? That's really important. I think spreading the message is key. And even just making people understand that sharks aren't necessarily these awful predators. You know, I mean, when you tell people 73 million sharks are killed a year, they say, wow, I didn't know that. So what? And then most people turn around and they say, yeah, but the only good shark's a dead shark. And so that we have to combat as well. Um, And I think, you know, helping kids also just discover their voice and take on issues and realize how fulfilling it can be to get involved in activism, whether it's, you know, sharks or, you know, the oceans or, you know, even if it's autistic children, that's a lot of the work that we do is reaching out into the community and helping kids um, realize that they can make change. and help them make change, that's always been a really great thing for us. And as divers, you spending your money in a place where – oceans and, and the sharks and everything else in it are protected. That's really important too. So, I mean, there are, there are things that can be done. You're welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for helping sharks, um, in Hansby. Yes, And also hopefully in Palau soon. Oh, I got to get there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's things that we don't want to think about or talk about, but at the end of the day, you know, these things are going on during our lifetime. I mean, humanity has made huge strides and, you know, big changes in the past. We can do it again, but it's going to take You know, us really wanting to do it.
0: Do you eat fish?
1: I do not eat fish. I don't actually eat anything from the ocean. Um, And the reason is, is just because I don't know. Actually, occasionally if I have a friend who's speared a fish and I know what it is and how it was done, um, I'll do it. But other than that, no, because you just, you don't know. And so for me, it's been, it's just been a conscious decision not to. And let me tell you, I love sushi. So the fact that I don't get to eat sushi anymore is a huge compromise for me. (laughs) And being in like an island nation where the food, the the seafood Uh. is so amazing. Occasionally, I'll eat it there, particularly if I know how. Yeah, it was you caught. go to these
0: islands, and it's I mean, just like, there's nothing else. I know. I mean, Is it,
1: it should I be eating something flown in yeah. from Australia and Fiji? Probably not. You know, so I mean, from that perspective, definitely. But you know, it's not something that I would normally do.
0: Yeah, I was in. Uh, yeah, I was down in there. These, I, I think, it was in uh, Panama. We're at these islands on these beaches. Yeah. With, I was there with a, a buddy of mine who doesn't eat fish. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, I'm sorry, dude, because you are missing out. <laughs> this is everything else I sucks because this is the only one good thing they do right down here." And I was like, "You're on the, you're in an island. Yeah, and exactly. Much,
1: you're eating. I like, wouldn't trust canned the steak meat. really uh-huh. of what you're
0: ordering there, but yeah. I don't know. I'm still kind of bummed. Cheer me up a little bit.
1: Cheer you up a little. Okay,
0: bit. Okay, let's let's go to bring you back to travel. Okay, yeah. Okay, before we leave. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So everybody uh, who wants to go diving or are thinking about it. Yes. And you're going to be our, uh, our travel agent right now. Uh-huh. Um, favorite place – you your favorite place to dive in the Caribbean?
1: My favorite place to dive in the Caribbean has recently become the Bahamas, believe it or not.
0: Really? I know. This surprises me. But I know. Go ahead. It
1: surprises me as well. Um, but I've spent some time in Bimini, which is easy to get to. And uh, it's actually quite beautiful. And they've got a healthy shark population. The reefs are eh, okay. They've got incredible wrecks. Um, And for me, what I'm most excited about is you can swim with great hammerhead sharks there now, too. nice. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. And it's close, and it's easy. Quick trip
0: from from Miami.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. The water's crystal clear and blue. And so, I mean, Bimini is definitely a place that I would recommend in the Caribbean.
0: What was your take on Belize? Because I was there.
1: Um, I was there a long time ago and it was okay. still, it was before the coral bleaching and it right. was before a lot of destruction happened in Belize. And I thought it was okay, but I wouldn't probably go there again. Okay, Would you?
0: Um, I liked it. I, w- I did the, um, well, they have the thing like Shark Ray Alley. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. And I did the blue hole. Yeah. Blue which hole. is one of the things you kind of got to do, but like there's not much surf. to see down there. I mean, wow. it's just like, so plus you, you go down so deep. And then you use up all your air, and then yeah. you got to come right back up. So the whole thing takes like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. you know? So it's not much, but then the dives afterwards are, are, are better. Yeah. In terms of like, um, you know, that's where color. And You get down deep enough, as you know, there's no color down there. It's just you know, but it is kind of like cool looking down, and you can see, and it's like space. Yeah, it so is. The closest I've been dope. to like feeling like I'm in space. So that was kind of cool. But I don't know. I could. I'd go back to see more of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll dive anywhere, but. I'd okay. say
1: Cozumel, for sure, 100%. If you do not go and see the whale sharks this season, you're just out of your mind.
0: Okay. It now, is, I take that as a challenge.
1: It is amazing.
0: Okay. Uh, okay, so that's the Caribbean. Uh-huh. Give me uh, the Pacific, South Pacific or something.
1: South Pacific. Um, You've done
0: Australia, I'm sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I really like Fiji, to be honest Fiji. with you. Okay, I've never been. Fiji's amazing. Um, again, lots of beautiful colors and things like that. And then, um, you know, small, beautiful creatures, big stuff. Um I think one and the the culture in Fiji is so amazing too. So I highly recommend Fiji. The food's amazing. Really? Oh, so good. Um, they do this thing where they cut a coconut open and they put. And here's where I'm going Again, to show that I did actually eat fish. Okay,
0: well, there you um, go. And they
1: cut up fish and uh, and some peppers and some onions and they put in a bunch of other stuff. And there's you know coconut milk. It's the most amazing thing. I can't oh, remember what good. it's called right now, but it is so good. Um, and you know they have this uh, really really friendly incredible culture. And you know they drink kava and it's a very you know communal thing. So the 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 top side's amazing, and of course, Fiji's beautiful, um, but underwater is so stunning and incredible. And again, you know, beautiful blue, beautiful colors. For me, though, one of the most amazing things about Fiji is um, they have an, a really, really great um, bull shark dive where basically you're they bring in 12 to 15 bull sharks that are. I've never seen bull sharks so big. I mean, these animals are so well fed. You know, I mean, they're like three times the size of me, and their girth is, you know, incredible. And these animals just come in, and, you know, bull sharks are one of the most scary sharks in the world. And even when I'm in the water with them, I think uh, they have these little tiny piggy eyes. You don't know what they're doing. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I like these guys.
0: (laughs) Piggy eyes. Yeah.
1: I mean, and they look kind of stupid. You know, you're like, oh, these are like the, maybe the Rottweilers or the, you know, the pit bulls. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know. You don't, you just don't know. And, um, it's an incredible dive and these animals are totally different than anything you'd expect. And the amount of. Sea life underwater when you're doing this dive—that's another thing that I would highly recommend. That's like one of the best shark dives in the world—is the Fiji Bull Shark dive,
0: okay, in Bekwa great.
1: Lagoon. So that I would say, Palau—you've got to go to Palau.
0: Oh, I will. Okay,
1: and it's beautiful too. I mean, it's—I mean, like they did a Survivor there. You probably even remember, yeah, yeah. like the, It's kind of like Raja Ampat, these beautiful like sea mounts and gorgeous like teeny tiny islands and stunning. So. I, that I would definitely recommend. And then in terms of, you know, on the other side of the coast, like on this side, I would highly recommend Cocos Island. I know that it's a big investment in getting out there and things like that, but you'll never see anything like it in the world. Well, no,
0: where's that exactly? It's
1: um, near Co- It's you, – you'd go into Costa Rica and then it's actually um, – it's actually part of Costa Rica, but it's a three-day sail away from Costa Rica. Oh,
0: okay. No, I remember reading about this yeah, down when I was it's down it's stunning.
1: There. It's stunning. And, you know, obviously, I can't recommend it yet, but I've done a lot of research about Galapagos. Yeah, I know. We'll find so out this summer. I'm so freaking excited. And everything topside, too, really excites me as well. And that's, I think, the coolest thing about diving is is that you get to go around the world and experience and become an explorer in an area where basically you know, less of the ocean is explored than the moon. Um, but at the same time, you get to experience these amazing cultures and these amazing places that you 'd never ever think of going to otherwise so it 's been pretty special and to be able to make a career out of diving and you know saving sharks has been a really cool thing so that 's awesome i 'm trying to be a little bit more inspirational for you
0: <laughs> <laughs> i 'm always inspired you don 't have to inspire me to travel because I always will do it but yeah it is it is a thing where the more we 've been around and yeah. the more we see yeah it 's easy to get disillusioned and where things are going you know and yeah I, sometimes i envy those people that have just like yeah i'm good with never seeing that i was like oh right. man that must be a nice comfort <laughs> just, exactly just to be okay where you're at i mean i was never that you know i've always had i guess you know wanderlust and stuff but yeah i've always been curious but the more you know is just like
1: oh boy right it just
0: seems overwhelming and, and like it a where do you start?
1: It does. But then also it, I think it's given me great perspective too. And like, I'm, you know, I mean, you think things are tough and then you realize like, oh my gosh, this, you know, this little kid in Madagascar can't even, doesn't even have pants or shoes on because they're so poor, you know, and it really does kind of put things into perspective. And you see amazing things happen with people who have nothing. So you think like, wow, you know, you're inspired to do something more with what you have because you have seen incredible things done by people who are so much in a bleaker situation. We we are so privileged here yeah. in this country. You know, I mean, we don't understand poverty. We don't understand the, the things that we've seen. So I think if you take that message away and you kind of look at, you know, how the human spirit has triumphed over a lot of things in these countries and a lot of, you know, obstacles that they come up against. And there's still some really beautiful places out there that deserve protecting. And we're moving in good directions, too. You know, I mean, we've we've protected quite a bit of the ocean. You know, last couple of years ago, it was only one percent that was protected in um, in marine reserves. And now it's up to four percent. So, you know, I mean, there's definitely a movement forward. And I think that, you know, consciously, if we all make the decision to get there, we will. It's just maybe not going to it's going to require some compromise for sure
0: okay well when i get down to south africa i'm gonna have come to, look me up yes i'm gonna go on a dive with you okay and then i'm gonna put you in front of me uh-huh. when the shark comes uh-huh I'm gonna be between you and me and the shark
1: i'll take you i'm not gonna be as bad
0: sharks. i'm not gonna be as bad as the oh tiger sharks. Yeah. yeah how do you feel
1: about tiger they're my favorite shark and they I've are seen them. so incredible in south africa
0: i thought those were the ones that are more aggressive
1: Um, that's what people say. Right. So you've got like great whites, tigers and bull sharks. And to me, um, tigers are very like they're very slow. You know, you kind of know what they're going to do, except the one time that we decided to feed a dead turtle to the tiger sharks and then they went off. Every shark has their like crap and you know, for like white <laughs> sharks it's whales and for tiger sharks it's turtle. Um, and they were, went insane. But other than that, I've never really seen like a frenzy behavior from them, but they're just such cool, beautiful sharks. And I love interacting with them. So we'll go to South Africa and we're going to dive with tiger sharks.
0: Awesome, Just that like the rugby great. players,
1: but you, <laughs> I'm
0: going to be, I'll be in mm-hmm. and I might have to learn how, how to hold my breath. Yeah. Keep up with you.
1: For sure, because we don't die with tanks oh, boy. with the tiger sharks. They come up to the surface, too. Oh, oh, really? Yeah.
0: Okay. That sounds awesome. Yeah.
1: It's an awesome, and it's definitely something to look forward to. So mm-hmm. add it to the calendar. And in the meantime, I want to hear about how Mexico was.
0: Okay.
1: And the whale sharks.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, ready? Hold your breath. <gasps> See, my <laughs> training's beginning. Thanks, Julie. Thank
1: you,